Hi everybody, Tyler here. As a warning before going into this episode, there is very brief mention of suicide. It comes up rather abruptly and we didn't plan on how to talk about it. If it's something that's going to bother you, I did place three tones five seconds before it happens in order to give you time to pause and skip ahead. If you jump ahead 15 seconds, you'll get past anything that's mentioning it. Thank you. Enjoy the episode. Your husband is gone, Inza Nelson. The transformation is complete. Now, there's only the immortal Lord of Order who shares Kent Nelson's form. Now, there is only Dr. Fate. Aloha, bienvenidos, and welcome to Noob Island, a place for nerdy fun, friendships, and learning. Much like the starting zone of many video games, the goal of our residents is to lay down a fundamental understanding of a geeky concept for a newcomer before sending them on their way into the wild world of nerdery. Our subject this time around is curious about magic in the DC universe. Professor Z, what's our lesson today? Dr. Fate. I haven't figured out how to do those, like... You know, when they put the words in, like, full... Oh, yeah. Uh, bubbled out... How his speech bubbles sometimes are different. Yeah. <laughs> or like when Dr. And Doom says his name and it's like in metallics for a while. Doom. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I always imagine it's like a clanking, like a metallic-y, like metal word. I'm just not sure how to make that noise. Oh, you don't. You have to imagine it. <laughs> if you were the dude from Police Academy. Is his name Carl Winslow? Carl Weather? No. Um, mm. um, I know who you're talking about, but... That is very I, much not Dr. Fate. I'm also bad at names. That's not right. Not important. <laughs> not what we're here for. I'm here to learn about magic in the DC universe. <laughs> so with this week, we have Dr. Fate, who I will stop saying it as that, but Please actually, don't. I probably will say it a lot that way. Um, Dr. Fate is probably the closest that DC has to an analog to Dr. Strange, beyond just the doctor name. Uh, to the point that in early stages, both of them, the amulet was extremely important. It's only within the last couple of years that they've largely dropped the amulet of Anubis, and it's almost entirely his powers based in the Helmet of Fate. Probably just to split them. Also easier to, I think, just make that its own. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, absolutely. It, it seems way more different than anything Doctor Strange has that I've seen so far. Like, it seems the more easiest Fate's, way to separate them. Fate's helmet is the coolest part about Dr. Fate. And we'll get to a point where a guy doesn't wear the helmet and I will make fun of him the whole time we talk about him. I really want to read that. I do too, but I also really like reading bad comic books. So, okay. Dr. Fate was originally created by Gardner Fox. Uh, Fun factoid about him is he is one of the earliest examples I know of, of a retcon in comic book history because he doesn't actually tell Dr. Fate's origin story in the first few comics that he appears in. Um, to the point that when he first appears in Justice Society, where he's a founding member, he talks about not being human and having never been a child. And then it was a few issues later, they decided to go back and tell the story of him being Kent Nelson and all of this. And just 
try not to talk about that moment because you know it's the 40s so no one really mm-hmm. cared um i am going to put in my own headcanon of that of it's not always clear who is in control kent nelson or naboo or the mix of the two so that might have just been naboo being like yes johnny thunder i was never a child i don't know what you're talking about strange idiot human i like johnny thunder but he's a strange idiot human yeah um with a name like johnny thunder that sounds about right he has a magic genie that he keeps in a pen. We will probably put some time into him. We uh, should. Because <laughs> he heard has magic a magic genie. genie. Oh. Is it his choice to keep it in the pen? We, he, oh, no, we it's just a later. magic pen. And literally part of his storyline is he's kind of an idiot. <laughs> I love that. That's great. I, <laughs> I love dumb characters. So starting uh, kind of before we talk about Dr. Fate, we're going to put in a quick little bit of time with Nabu the Wise. Oh, Nabu. Nabu is a Lord of Order, a cosmic being who arrived at Earth. The numbers here, I have found three different numbers. He has either shown up a billion years ago, 500,000 years ago, or 3,500 years ago. So there is a wide range of when Nabu first showed up. But... Even if it's the billion years, he doesn't do that anything that important until ancient Egypt. So we're going to go with the 3,500 year, at least important. The Lords of Order and Chaos, in theory, come from the world of Cilia, which is, according to these guys, the first sentient species in existence. I don't know how this one works, because also, in theory, the Guardians of Oa, the creators of the Green Lantern Corps, are also the first sentient species in existence. Uh, Again, because apparently I'm playing fast and loose with headcanon in this episode, they do mention in one of the, like, 80 different things I read about Dr. Fate on this that the Lords of Order didn't have a um, corporeal form. So it could have been maybe first magical beings, no corporeal form, while the Guardians were the first beings with, like, physical form. That physical, okay. That works for me. It's the best answer I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to treat that as what it is. I like it. In my head, at least. That said, the next time we see Naboo, he has a corporeal form. So I guess at some point that develops. Good for him. (laughs) Just going to grow this, water it a little bit every day. Suddenly, body. That's how you form a body, right? Uh, Coming to... Yes, exactly. That's (laughs) you just plant a seed and grow them. They're like... Shrinkadinks. I mean, <laughs> which is an old school reference right there. But I, I'm pretty sure that's how they do it in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So yeah, Nabu comes to Earth and ends up uh, connected with the Pharaohs of Egypt, where he becomes a top advisor, and at this point is basically operating as Doctor Fate himself. While later versions of Fate will operate from the power of Nabu, this is just Nabu hanging out on Earth, doing cool stuff. He will claim at one point to create the Scarab of Ka-Ephre, which is later turned into the Scarab that the Blue Beetle is powered by. Again, we're going to have to play with headcanon a little bit here because that Scarab is later revealed to be alien Reach technology, a species called the Reach. Mm -hmm. But up until that point in 2005, it was considered a magical object. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say headcanon, Nabu poked it with a stick a bunch of times put some enchantments on it, and look what I made! That works for me. Nabu is mostly a force of justice, but he's also... He's like Merlin. He's a giant, pretentious d- 
who's just as likely to try and kill everybody as he is save everybody. Yeah, he seems like a petulant child from what I can tell. 100%. Uh, during this time, he will battle Vandal Savage while Vandal Savage is an Egyptian pharaoh for a while. And will become allies with the wizard Shazam at one point and uh, Teth Adam, who will one day be known as Black Adam. Because everyone lived in ancient Egypt at one point. Also during this time, he, uh, Nabu, we're going back to Nabu here, will encounter the crashed Thanagarian ship that crashes in Egypt. Because again, everything happens in Egypt. Uh, use some of the metal to create the... Fist of Horus, which is just a gauntlet with a bunch of nth metal and rubies that becomes a really major weapon later on in DC history and work for, who is that? That'd be Khufu, the first Hawkman. I think it's Khufu. I didn't look this one up. That one's on me. Eventually, he... I think it's right. <laughs> I'm going to double down on it myself. So if, if you're wrong, I'm wrong too. Perfect. Everything with the Hawks is wrong. Yeah, pretty much. We have an entire episode of Word Balloons about how that's basically what's going down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you're um, wrong, you're also probably right. <laughs> <laughs> During the reign of the Pharaoh Ramses, Nabu will end up going up against the Spectre because the Spectre is doing all those uh, going after Ramses and the Egyptians for all those crimes against the Hebrews that they talk about in the Bible. This does not go well for Nabu. He might be a Lord of Order. He's the Spectre is still the Spectre. Uh, I believe during this phase, although another one says it's in a battle with Wotan, who will become a major Doctor Fate villain, uh, that Nabu is put into a trance inside of a tomb and will spend the next few thousand years healing from his injuries. This brings us to Doctor Kent Nelson. Kent Nelson was traveling with his parents, uh, most specifically his father, Dr. Sven Nelson, who are archaeologists who in the Valley of Kings find a tomb where they find a person suspended in animation. They think it's just a statue at first. And they're like, well, let's get this st weird statue out of, you know, this sarcophagus. They open up the sarcophagus. It turns out that it is full of poison gas that is also keeping Nabu suspended. Sven is killed, and Nabu ends up raising Kent Nelson to be his new champion. Later versions have it that he purposely set it up so Sven is killed by the poison gas and then suppresses all of Kent's feelings about this. So he never has a like cause or time to mourn. I'm loving the size of our <laughs> subject's eyes currently, and I can't wait to get to the current version of how this all went down. Oh, it, does it get worse? Because that that's terrible. Yes, inevitably it gets worse pretty much any... The further we go into Nabu's timeline, the less he becomes a hero and the more he becomes... A force? The absolute worst. That too. <laughs> An absolute terrible force? <laughs> It's kind of like how Professor Xavier has gotten more and more manipulative and less and less idealistic as time has gone on in X-Men comics. I don't... Except Nabu didn't start that great in the first place. I don't care for that concept. No, personally. I actually really wish we could go back to Professor X being a good dude. That'd be great. Uh, I kind of like Dr. Fate being... I have less problem with Nabu being... Yeah. Uh, it works dick. more for Nabu in that he is supposed to be a... 
Lord of Order. Order. Mm-hmm. He follows Which, a very specific. I kind of like it. I don't like him being an extremist, but I kind of like how they can play with that idea. Yeah, like it. It's a better concept for me than what they've done with <laughs> Xavier. I forgot the word Xavier for some reason. That's okay. Having finished his training, in some versions, Nabu ages him up because he gets tired of waiting. <sighs> Nabu will do this a few times, actually. Again, mm. Nabu, not a great dude. Big jerk. Uh, gives him the amulet and cloak and helmet to become a champion of good as Dr. Fate. Who is can in control when he is wearing the helmet is extremely unclear. In some versions, it's Kent or whoever's wearing the helmet at the time. In other versions, straight up Nabu. My favorite versions tend to be somewhere in between. It is in theory, Kent or Inza or Hector or all of the people Mm -hmm. we'll talk about. But uh, Nabu is heavily influencing them to the point that they're not quite the same person anymore. Interesting. Uh, Based on what I've heard about Nabu, I'm going to guess that he's always in control. And if Kent or anyone thinks they're in control, it's it's Nabu making them think they're in control. The only because reason... Because I, I don't think he's uh, at all good. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I will disagree is because sometimes they will rebel against what Nabu wants them to do. Nabu will be like, you should super turn that dude into a pillar of salt, or whatever. And then I'll be like, I don't think that's a good idea, Nabu. Or Nabu's gaslighting in them into thinking he's letting them Okay, do if we're going to put gaslighting into it, yeah, it gets increasingly hard to argue. There. Yeah, which yeah. let's just not do that, so let's move on. <laughs> okay. That seems like an issue that's n- not something we needed to discuss. In Alexandria, <laughs> gaslighting is a bad thing, and you should take it very seriously. Yes, which in is why Ale- I don't want to discuss it. In Alexandria... Uh, Kent Nelson will meet the true love of his life, Inza Kramer, who will eventually become his wife and his aide as Dr. Fate and his aide as a nurse when he becomes a doctor in real life. Um, we are not going to put a bunch of time into Inza until later on, so we're just... I'm not just ignoring her, but we are going to move on from this part. Bookmark her and come back later. Mm-hmm. Currently, Inza exists. We're going to... Oh, what? That's interesting. Um, uh, we're going <laughs> to... Do her justice. Dr. Fate will go up against villains that we never talk about again, like Magno the Mighty, who I wished we talked about again, because that's a first star name. Uh, yes, I'm... Also, Mr. Who. Oh. Who so I'm he... pretty sure predates Dr. Who, so... Uh... Never graduated from Time Lord College. <laughs> if the doctor was a bum, more of a bum. Um... If I was the doctor? Yeah. <laughs> His two big enemies, though, will be the Sorcerer Rotan, who will come up in a later kind of villains episode, and Ian Karkul, who is just an evil sorcerer. Yeah, Karkul's a pretty evil sorcerer name Yeah, nothing good comes when you have two Ks in your name, as a general rule. Three Ks, and it just goes straight up. The, well, we all know what that goes up to. Not good. Uh, after spending a while as a... Just superhero, he become uh, Nelson becomes unsatisfied with his situation and becomes a real medical doctor as opposed to just a magic doctor, so he can save people on a much more personal level. During this time, Inza becomes a nurse, so she can continue to be his assistant because it was the forties and women didn't get agency other than being assistants for the most part. Sorry, guys, that's just how it's gonna roll. 
That sucks. I am. Yeah, that's that's where we're at. I'm glad it's slightly getting better. <laughs> we're I working wish on it. Was it was a lot better. We're working on it. Enza should be Doctor Fate. I'm just putting that out there, like oh, that'd all be the time. It will come yes. up. Yes, I'm in. Saving <laughs> <laughs> good news. Saving President Roosevelt, a bunch of freedom fighters, which is a old school tomb for superheroes, were uh, asked by him to form the Justice Society of America, with the founding members being the Mighty Adam, who is different from the Ray Palmer Adam that can shrink. This was literally just a short dude that punched people a lot. I love him. <laughs> I love him. Uh, like, when you say short, I need He's it. like five foot tall. And he just punches people? And he punches good. people a lot. Does he have, like, enhanced punching, or is he just punching? Later. Later. <laughs> and when he started, he just was punched. a short guy that punched a lot. And... <sighs> there is no more depth to this story. <laughs> I need more, though. It's so good. We can t- we'll can. we talk about him a little bit as we go on, because uh, his godson is in the book that we read, where oh. he played Adam Smasher. Uh, the Sandman, who was a man with a gas mask and a fedora and knockout gas guns. Also wonderful. Yes. Love that. Wesley uh, Dodds. Great design. The Spectre, who was, depending on the mood at the time, the spirit of God's wrath, uh, vengeance, not wrath, the spirit of God's wrath, or a dude in a green cloak that punched people. The original Flash, Hawkman, Dr. Fate, the original Green Lantern, and Our Man, who is a guy that took drugs that gave him powers for an hour at a time. Also, Wonder Woman was their secretary. The early Justice Society was problematic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what kind of powers did this guy get by taking drugs out of curiosity just offhand? He basically took steroids that kicked in for an hour. Yeah, it was like super strength and stuff. And... It's called the Miraclo. Mm-hmm. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, even beyond the fact of just like... Steroids are bad. That's just lazy. To me, at least. We well, talk about this more in word balloons, but they were getting paid like a buck a page. They just oh, okay. I, I, I always forget this sometimes. <laughs> They're paid bad now. They were paid awful back then. Oh, really? I, I was going to say, it's kind of funny with the Miracle because they almost always gave very specific stats of like how strong and stuff it would make them. And then immediately just like five or six times that. Like the next panel when they were actually showing the strength of 10 men also, which is a popular go to Mm -hmm. that means nothing. I imagine that's a lot smaller than you would assume. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. Now, while the JSA was active in World War Two, they never actually fought overseas or very rarely because Hitler had something called the Spear of Destiny, which was the spear that killed that was stabbed into Jesus's side while he was dying on the cross. He could use this that if anyone with powers came over to uh, Europe during the theater of war of the areas that Nazi Germany controlled, they would fall under Hitler's control and he could literally just use them as like automaton super soldiers, which was their way of explaining why Dr. Fate and the Flash and Green Lantern didn't just fly over and pants Hitler. Okay. There was a Superman comic from before we entered World War II where Superman just flew over and grabbed Stalin and Hitler because it's before Stalin was betrayed by Hitler mm-hmm. and just dropped them in front of the world court and was like, what up? Take off. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Two Jewish kids acting out their fantasies. Good for them. Yeah. I love it. That is that is some grade A quality content. But into the 
ongoing story that I'm failing to tell today. Around this time, Kent Nelson starts to get concerns about the control that Nabu was exerting over him, because again, Nabu. So he creates the Half Helmet, which every once in a while in old comics, you'll look and see Fate in a weird costume where it's basically the normal Fate costume, except the helmet ends at like his nose. So he's got the exposed mouth look. It's a very bad look. And I have hated it for years, and honestly, I never figured out why it existed until I was looking this up. The reason is, Nabu had less control because he wasn't using the the proper helmet of fate. Mm. He also had less powers. He basically just became flight super strength. He just became a pretty standard superhero during that time. He lost most of his magic ability. Somewhere in the early 50s, the helmet of Nabu is lost somewhere in the Netherverse. What the Netherverse is compared to the universe, the multiverse, the various... I'm going to go with it's kind of a uh, similar to the dark dimension of Doctor Strange of the magic universe. Oh, I was imagining it was a universe that's just like right below our universe. Oh, uh, like the microverse or the... No, no, just like okay. literally like below it. That could work. That'd be like the yeah. Dark Multiverse. Yeah, it'd be so. like the Dark Multiverse. Cool. Either way, the helmet is lost. Kent Nelson retires, although he will occasionally appear throughout the 1950s just as the story demanded. Mm-hmm. He will later appear in the early 60s once again with the classic helmet of Nabu. It has never been explained how it was returned to him. I- I'm going to guess magic. Yes. That's a good explanation. Um, in early versions of the story... Kent and Inza, affected by Nabu's magic, do not age while the other members of Justice Society begin to slowly age. Later versions, when they went, all of these characters are in their, like, 60s, 70s, 80s, now 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, we really need to explain why they're still active. It is revealed that in a battle with Ian Karkul, a spell is unleashed that prevents all the members of the Justice Society from aging at a normal rate. That's fortunate for them. Which goes really well in some cases and really awkward in others where they're like, well, my wife, who I love so much, is 90 and I'm 50 physically. So? It just, mm-hmm. although it does make me, now that I say that out loud, think of the ending of what we do in the shadows. So <laughs> I guess that's a little better. Across the 60s in the original universe where there is the Earth 1 and Earth 2 with Dr. Fate residing on Earth 2... They meet every year with the Justice League because it became just a yearly event thing to have those two universes cross over. Um, in later versions, he, where they're from the same universe, they just, the Justice Society is sporadically active through the 60s and 70s. During this time, Kent's relationship with Inza will become increasingly strained as Nabu influences him more and more, and as she gets more and more pissed about being left in the Tower of Fate, which is the secret magic tower that he has in Salem, that is wild? Yeah. Like, we've seen it in some of the comics, we've seen it in Young Justice, it's... Uh, indescribable at points, in that it is so multifacetedly mm. versatile and just... Wild? It's kind of like if the TARDIS was a magic tower. Yes. And almost antagonistically designed. <laughs> yeah. If you're not Dr. Fate, the or I guess Inza, 
the Tower of Fate does not like you. And even then... I feel like whoever designed it also designed, like, the things that break up uh, benches for homeless people. <laughs> like, it feels like it's not at all accessible. I was going to say, like, it might actively dislike you if you're not Dr. Fate or Inza, but even if you're Dr. Fate or Inza, it doesn't necessarily rearrange itself to be all accommodating. No, it's not making it nicer. It just is not actively trying to hurt you. Yeah. During this time, a Lord of Chaos actually manipulates things so strong that Inza ends up leaving him. Again, understandably. But, and fate is almost defeated by this Lord named Yanar, Y-N-A-R, until Inza returns and with their combined magical powers, they're able to overthrow him and decide to start working on their relationship. After... The helping stop a plot by Glorious Godfrey, a minion of Darkseid, from over, er, from, how do I want to put this? Using cable television and cable news to make all people hate superheroes. Kind of predicting Fox News like 20 years early. A new Justice okay. League is formed with Dr. Fate as a founding member. Young Justice was playing a little bit with this plotline, and they had Tim Curry playing Glorious Godfrey, and it was, well, glorious. It mm -hmm. was absolutely glorious. I never realized that was Tim Curry. Oh, yeah. that's so good. Sorry for yelling at the mic. No, uh, you're perfectly fine. It was I just great. Very, I, I love Tim Curry. He's great. Um, damn, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Fate does not serve with this league very long, quitting before they even become Justice League International, which will not come up in this series, but is one of the great all-time great Justice League runs. So if you get the chance, you should absolutely read it. Uh, during this time, Chaos and Order were at a breaking point uh, known as Kali Yuga, the final age of man. Order decides to pull out of the battle knowing that Chaos will literally just overload itself, giving them a chance to step in. Oh, okay. Fate doesn't really want to do that. But as a result of all of this going on, Kent and Inza are both brought back to their normal, what the age they should be in at the time this came out, 1987, putting them, making them age like 40 years in the space of a couple of days. Ooh, that must be very challenging to handle. This overloads Inza, who commits suicide. Oh, Whoa. no! Which lent Kent devastated and wanting to do the same. Nabu becomes more and more dominant during this time uh, and refuses to allow Kent to die until he can find a new host body. They find Eric Strauss and Linda Strauss, who, as I was reading this, some of these things, there's bits where you'll read comic stuff and you go, what made you think this was a good idea? And one of the aspects of this is, what made you think this was a good idea? We get the new hosts of Eric and Linda Strauss, who actually combine, and it's revealed that the true form of Dr. Fate should be two humans merged, wearing the helmet with the power of Nabu, influencing them. Never really explaining why, but I'm getting the idea that it's a lot easier for two people to resist the will of Nabu than just one. I like it. But basically, become it's kind of like Firestorm, except throw in the helmet of Nabu. Mm-hmm. But where this becomes problematic, and we're not going to spend much time on these two because I think they were only alive for like a year. Linda Strauss was a, a woman that married a man much older than her. I get the sense of like 20 years or so. Who was also hella abusive. 
Ugh. He then dies, and she is left in charge of the 10-year-old Eric Strauss. Nabu, realizing that these two are going to form a proper replacement, ages Eric Strauss up to adulthood. And then, this is the questionable part, because they're like chosen soulmates or something like that, Linda starts having a strange attraction to her stepson, who is the artificially aged Eric. Uh, yeah. You can't see my face, audience, but or listeners. You but can imagine it, because you probably have it on your own face if you're listening to that series. It's very unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't care for this. Now, I spent a while trying to find ways to... There's no way to justify it, but to make it significantly less creepy. I guess I'm desperately hoping that Eric's maturity was also a date to adulthood, but there's no level that makes this okay. And DC must have realized this because they almost immediately kill Eric. I like I like the concept of two people wearing the helmets. I wish they could come up with something where it was not at all problematic. Well, we're going to get to that in just a moment, but... Mm-hmm. Linda starts operating as Fate alone, becoming the first female Dr. Fate, briefly joins the Justice League International, but as was happening a lot towards the second half of the JLI run, would show up, join, they'd make a deal about them joining, and then they would pretty much never be used again. Eric dies of a disease, Linda dies of another thing, there's a very confusing thing that I've read about four times and I still don't quite understand it, but... Kent and Inza are brought back to life. Turns out that the afterlife they were living in was, in fact, just inside the amulet of Anubis, so Dr. Fate's amulet. Uh, And Eric and Linda are... Their souls are reincarnated into new bodies? And I'm not sure of new bodies as a couple. I got the impression that that's what was going down. But at least they're not, you know, son and stepmother? And it is implied at this point that Nabu gives up his status as a Lord of Order and is reborn as their child as a human. Yes. This is uh, pretty much immediately abandoned. This entire miniseries or series was super confusing and quickly abandoned. Uh, good. I, I yes. hope it's like a, a little sister on, uh, on Boy Meets World, never seen or heard from again. <laughs> Although she comes back. She I, comes back. She's so gone no, for a season. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want that. Well, that was the longest time out I've ever been in. No, it's the brother in Happy Days that goes upstairs Chuck and Cunningham. is never seen again. Okay, that's what I want. <laughs> this does bring us to Inza, who is brought back to life uh, and starts merging with Kent to become the new Doctor Fate. The fun thing about this period of time is that they can either form together to create what we know as the traditional Dr. Fate, or they can each become a version of Dr. Fate who is less powerful. She will wear the traditional Dr. Fate outfit. He wears the half-helmet look that he had for the 50s. I'm also here for that. I'm all for... So, like, oh, there's two things happening. We'll both go, but we're less powerful, or we'll combine up to create a version that's more, like, the more powerful version. So that's cool. Yeah, I thought this was great. This becomes the status quo of Dr. Fate for a couple of years until the Zero Hour, a crisis in time, which is one of the better crossovers, honestly, like one of the big 
huge crossovers in the same way that Crisis on Infinite Earths was created to clean up the all of the like parallel Earths. Zero Hour was created to clean up all of the alternate timelines. In this dark future, this will happen. In this dark future, this will happen. In this mm. timeline. But during this time, the Justice Society goes up against the supervillain known as Extent, who is actually a gone insane Hank Hall, better known as uh, Hawk of Hawk and Dove fame. He kills several members of the Justice Society, ages most of them back up to the age that they're supposed to be. In the process of doing this, Kent and Inza are separated from the Helmet of Fate, which disappears. I'm scared. And then have nothing else to do with the rest of the story. They just had the JSA go up against Extant, get their butts kicked to really show how dangerous Extant was. Um, the Green Lantern of that era, will, uh, the Alan Scott Green Lantern, will have a continued role, but the rest of the JSA is out for the count. So kind of like bringing in like a champion, a former champion boxer to take on like the new champion boxer who's like they're clearly going to lose, but it's just to show that this new champion is so good. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, they figure out that the uh, Dr. Fate materials are in a tomb in Egypt it is not specifically said in any of the articles that I could find, but uh, I'm going to say it's the same tomb that they uncovered Nabu because if it's not, it should be. Uh, for reasons unknown, instead of approaching any of the dozens to hundreds of superpowered superheroes or Egypt-related cats that they know who could totally help out with all of this, they hire basically a tomb robber named Jared Stevens. Jared Stevens, the man called Fate. Yes. I am 100% convinced that some drugged out creator went, we could do a tagline that says, the doctor is out. And that's the whole reason this run exists. You cannot convince me otherwise. Welcome to my TED Talk. Jared Stevens is hired to retrieve these items. He does successfully retrieve them, but uh, when the Helmet of Fate is brought to the Nelsons, it rejects them, and they are quickly murdered by a group of demon, or by agents of a demon called Kingdom. Bummer. Or Jared attempts to use the uh, amulet against the demon, but the amulet explodes and bestows various mystical abilities on Jared, as well as giving him a sweet Ankh tattoo over one eye. This would have been, what, like, 93? Because he got his solo series in 94? Yeah, somewhere along those lines. It is... So it's way 90s. It's super 90s. His arm is also all messed up by the bandages, uh, so he tears up strips of the uh, Cloak of Fate and wraps it in it to, I don't know, protect it at the time? He finds out that when the arm is wrapped in... The bandages, it works perfectly fine. If that it's taken, if the bandages are taken off, it is basically withered and dead. And in things that I have not been able to find an answer to, in some of, if you Google search some in, images, sure looks like sometimes when it's not wrapped up, it turns into tentacles. Yeah, I noticed that as well. I don't know why, dear listeners. People Mystical try, energy. People try really hard not to talk about Jared Stevens, so. Some of these are just a mystery, even a to shame. us. <laughs> Truly a shame. Jared Stevens should be everywhere once you just look at his 
magnificent terribleness. Pause this, Google it. The red stripe in his hair, the the uh, trench coat with one arm torn off so he can wear the bandages. The little throwing onks. Yes, because that's where we go to the next terrible decision. He melts down the helmet of fate and reforges the metal into a dagger and throwing star shaped like onks. <laughs> so he melts it down. <laughs> How? Is it easy? Does he just do this? I don't know, man. Maybe it's... I mean, uh, <coughs> 3,500 years ago was Bronze Age at best, so maybe the Helmet of Fate is just made out of bronze and we've never talked about that? So it's just like... So that would be kind of funny, actually. <laughs> it's just like that a it's really bronze terrible this defense. entire time. It's a bronze helmet just like magically. Oh my God, just that's crazy cool. magical. I don't know. Uh, well, I would if we're going to damaged it, at some point. If this is headcanon, the episode, we'll just roll with that. Um, but, or maybe the... But then also I have a problem with him making a brass knife because that's going to be a bad knife. Oh, yeah. No, none I, of this is a good... I don't also, know much about knives, but that sounds like it's going to be a bad knife. The Helmet of Fate is the single greatest aspect of Dr. Fate. It's like the unifying look of all of it. And he could have just cut off the mouth and still had half the powers and then make, made his little uh, throwing stars. And or a knife. And or a knife. Probably just or, not and. At first, Maybe he... a smaller knife. <laughs> yeah. Or a bunch of smaller throwing knives that look like... What's onks. amazing is this guy had a comic for three years straight. What? Yeah. yeah. He had a... His first run lasted 24 issues. It was canceled, and it was relaunched as The Book of Fate, which lasted 12. All reviews have either been, it's bad, or more accurately, it's kind of boring. Bummer. Uh, Don't care, want to read. Oh, no, absolutely. Still, I, yes. We also. have the DC Infinite app. We should see if mm -hmm. it's on there. During this time, though, for whatever reason, he does become a pretty close ally of Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern, who is at this point going by the name of Sentinel, who is the only person that sort of likes him. Uh, Nabu shows up and attempts to recruit him to basically become the new Dr. Fate. He says no, fights off Nabu a bunch of times. From the pictures I've seen, it looks like in this version, Nabu's wearing the half helmet. Don't know what's going on there. Again, it's hard to find information on the man called Fate. Can confirm Fate is on DC Universe. Oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing with my weekend. Getting very bored, apparently. Fate rejects working for Nabu and becomes a agent of balance as opposed to an agent of order or justice or chaos or any of that. It will become an ongoing thing with Dr. Fate in a lot of cases of he's empowered by Nabu, but he's much more about keeping the balance as opposed to the total one way or the other. Cool. It is seems, also seems possible better. that during this time, Nabu falls and becomes a Lord of Chaos because he briefly does that, but I forgot to write that in my notes and I do not remember if that was here or <laughs> with Inza. Oh, it happens, and then he just shows up again as a Lord of Order again. I just don't remember where that happens. He's just too orderly in his blood. Uh-huh. He can't, he can't help it. The next time we see uh, Jared Stevens, the man called Fate, he's super dead with his own dagger stabbed in his back. Warning of the coming of Mordru, although he dies before he can say the name. 
just whispering Dark Lord, which takes like twice as long to say than Mordrew, so thanks, Jared. Are there multiple Mordrews? Maybe he needed to say the Dark Lord Mordrew. As far as I know, there's just Mordrew, but... Yeah, then that's on him. (laughs) Yeah. The JSA, warned by the death of fate and the death of Wesley Dobbs, the original Sandman, formed together to find the next fate, who is my Dr. Fate. Like, this is the guy that I grew up reading. This is Dr. Fate, so he's where my attachments. Hector Hall. We're going to have to backtrack a little bit because Hector Hall was an existing character before he got connected in any way, shape, or form to the Fate mythos. Hector Hall is the son of the original Hawkman and Hawkgirl, Carter Hall and Shiera Hall. Mm-hmm. He grew up deeply resentful of them because he's just a normal kid, in theory. We'll get to how he's not in a moment, but he doesn't have wings. He doesn't have magic nth metal wings he can put on. He doesn't fly in any way, shape, or form. So they kind of neglected him. They also had a godson who was an alien, who an alien bird person, who they would go hang out with and fly with and be like, be good, Hector. We'll see you soon. We're going to go flying with, um, I forget the kid's name, but. Man, I I don't like the Hawks. Yeah. Now, I get the sense that in a lot of ways they were good parents, but there was this one specific, like, he was cut out of their that part of their life. Also, that said, if I did have two kids, one of them was an alien bird person and the other one was a normal human, I, being a normal human myself, probably would say, like, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you to try and figure out your stuff. I gotta go deal with this alien bird person. I gotta go teach him to fly and stuff occasionally. Mm-hmm. It because really... they're an alien bird person. Yeah, I... right? Uh, by the name of Norda Cantrell, by the way, who eventually adopts the superhero name Northwind. Cool. Yeah. I like it. Now, Hector does become friends with the other young JSA, the children of the JSA, including Jenny Hayden and Todd Rice, the children of Alan Scott. Al Rothstein, the godson of the first Adam. Lyda Treader, who uh, is the daughter of Fury, who is a Golden Age hero that I do not know much about. Right. I believe she was originally supposed to be the daughter of Earth 2 Wonder Woman, but when they merged the Earths, that super didn't work, work anymore. anymore. So they just were like, eh. And Rick Tyler, the original, or the son of the first Hour Man. Amongst their childhood hijinks, they stole a jet and almost crashed it into the White House. When On purpose? No, they were just, you know, young kids. Joy riding a jet. Yeah. Okay. Well, when yeah, you're I the brought, children of the JSA, your hijinks are going to be a little higher scale. As Fair. in college, he steals or borrows or claims some of the nth metal uh, that is that powers the Hawks and creates a suit of armor out of it, calling himself the Silver Scarab. The mem- these members that we've all mentioned all apply, oh, along with Norda, his uh, god brother, I guess, all apply to join the JSA, but are rejected. The original Star-Spangled sk- Kid, at this point known as Skyman, teams up with them and they form the team Infinity Inc., basically thinking they deserve a shot. Um, if you have seen the Stargirl series that is going on WB right now, or CW, sorry, a lot of that borrows a lot from some old Infinity Inc. storylines. They do kind of a kind of 
crappy thing, though, and out their parents' hidden identities. Ooh. Because they publicly announced their identities, and they weren't super secret about being the children of the original Justice Society. So they went, oh, so Carter Hall is Hawkman. Cool. Uh, it does make it even crappier because it's revealed that the original reason the JSA retired in the 50s was because during the Red Scare, they were told, give us your identities to the public or retire, you filthy commies. Oof. And they went, no. Like, in front of the House of Un-American Activities, they quit being the JSA. Wow, I want to read that. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's a pretty famous moment in JSA history. Um, the JSA is a wildly underrated team, just in general. Yeah, and that like I haven't really encountered much of they them. They don't come up a whole lot. Now, during this time, it is revealed that, oh, he also becomes engaged to Lyda. Yes. Uh, during this time, it is revealed that he has been cursed or is part of a family curse that hath set the ancient enemy of the Hawk family has put on them. It's this for the same reason that the Hawks are being eternally reborn throughout time. The other half of this curse is that if they have a child, he will be born without a soul. What the heck? It's a nasty curse. That's such a mean curse. <laughs> it is revealed <laughs> during this time that the silver scarab is an evil entity, basically that has inhabited what no one knew was this soulless body and attempts to overthrow the world. You know, do the thing that evil entities do. Infanti Inc. stops him. Hector is killed in the process. But it seems like he starts to develop part of a soul just, you know, being alive for 30 or so years, 20 or so years. Um, and part of the reason they're able to be defeated is Hector is able to rebel against the Silver Scarab when he finds out that his wife or his fiance is pregnant with their future son. Instead of going to the afterlife, Hector is sent to the Dreaming for reasons that no one really knows other than Neil Gaiman wanted to write stories about him. During this time, he is tricked into becoming a new version of the Sandman using a... Well, the... Dream stuff happened before Gaiman. Hmm. Gaiman was the one that explained it. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That was my mistake. Um, he, got, it was some. They had earlier. I can't. I can't remember the author, but one of the Jack early, Kirby. Mm, mm, yeah, Jack Kirby created the Sand uh, Sandman that did dream stuff, and then later people used it. No, I mean like oh. one of the earlier writers for Hector. Oh, okay. Before Gaiman got his hands on him, he went to what they called the dream dimension. While he was in the dream dimension, he started visiting Lyda in her dreams. And she eventually becomes pregnant. And Again? Or however that works? Yeah, and one... Um, Rothstein busts in on him one of the times he was visiting her in her sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's the time he was going to propose, and he brings her into the dream dimension. It's Gaiman that later reveals that the dream dimension is a cordoned-off part of the dreaming. Uh, dream of the Endless will claim their child as, I guess, sort of his, and reveals that he will someday become the future Dream. Dream of the Endless. Yeah. Uh, in the book that we read, there was a moment where they saw a, a guy all in white in, a, in Sam's dream. 
That's their kid. Daniel. Daniel. Interesting. He, uh, Hector is sent to the afterlife at this point. However, because he comes from a family of reincarnators, he is reincarnated in the story that we are going to discuss in a few minutes. That body is actually revealed to be that baby that he was reborn in is revealed to be the child of the hero team Hawk and Dove. One who's powered by the order, uh, a Lord of Chaos and the other powered by a Lord of Order. So he really is in not insignificant ways the child of both order and chaos, becoming really more than any other the Doctor Fate that is uh, an agent of balance. Hector will serve for the next several years as a member of the Justice Society, most often kind of just being their magical assist. He didn't have a solo series of his own at any point. He will deal with more Drew. He will deal with Nabu, who is slowly, you know, Nabuing it up and trying to take over. Um, he will rescue Don Granger, uh, Dove, who he thought is his wife hidden, but is not. It's just Dove. Uh, in a story that I don't quite understand, and I've actually read it a few times, mm. although he will eventually manage to rescue his wife, who it is revealed that Nabu has been hiding away from him. God, Nabu's a jerk. Nabu's a jerk. I'll Nabu's say it again. Jerk. My running theory on this one is that those two were supposed to form to form the ultimate Doctor Fate, mm. but Nabu didn't like the ultimate Doctor Fate because he likes playing head games too much. One fun aspect of this is that that afterlife that's revealed inside the Amulet of Anubis, all of the former fates are just hanging out in there. At one point with a powerless Mordru who's trapped in there, who's just like, I'll escape. And they're like, shut up and go back in your corner. But that meant that Hector could go inside the amulet and get advice from people like Jared Stephens, Kent Nelson, Inza Nelson, and yell at Nabu a bunch. I love that. Uh, Hector is eventually killed, tragically, when the Spectre goes mad after being manipulated by Eclipso and decides to kill off all magic. Uh, he is separated from all of his magical accoutrement of fate, and him and his wife are left to die on a mountain in the Himalayas to freeze to death. But right before they die, they are visited by their son Daniel, who takes their souls into the Dreaming, where they can live an actual happy afterlife, while their bodies freeze to death in the Himalayas. Possibly the Alps. Big right. mountains, yeah. cold, bad. Dark. I'm gonna guess Himalayas. It would make sense with. I think that's where they they go for uh, in NJSA just be done. And also, mm -hmm. I feel like they use that one for in uh, where. Oh, I cannot remember the name for the magic people. The Homo Magi. Homo Magi. Yes, thank you. Um, uh, I think that's where they're supposed to be somewhere in the Himalayas, right? The Americans use the Himalayans every time they want to be. Magic-y. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty lazy writing, if you ask me. Yeah, I fall for it a lot, though. I mean, um, I, oh, <laughs> same here. I, I see it a lot, and I like it most of the time I see it, but it's... During this time, there becomes a big question of who will be the next Doctor Fate. There's a question of, will Nabu just control the helmet and be Fate? And he decides, no, he will not do that. Nabu, in theory, dies at this point. But again, Nabu has died about six times 
just in the period that we're talking about, let alone the long pieces of history that we haven't. Uh, Detective Chimp ends up with the helmet and tries to put it on, but it does not work. And he gives it to Captain Marvel, the Billy Batson Shazam version. I, I do need to circle back to... Um, it doesn't work. He puts it... Does he put it on? And like, No, he tries to, but it literally he can't fit it on his head because it doesn't fit on the head of a chimp. Oh, I, that's that's also good, but I was I, part of my brain was just thinking that it was like, well, I'm not going to deal with a chimp. <laughs> I, I can't do this. Uh, he gives it to Captain Marvel, Shazam, and instructs him to just chuck it as hard as he can, and fate will decide who will become the next Doctor Fate. That sounds like a bad idea. There ends up being a short series of one-shots where different heroes, including Black Alice, uh, the Angel Zariel, and a few others, all interact with the helmet before not taking it on. Uh, and before a new fate, Kent V. Nelson, who is the grandnephew of the original Kent Nelson, ends up with a thing. Honestly, the most we'll talk a little bit about Kent, but the most important thing about him is that the legendary, absolutely legendary comic writer Steve Gerber died while writing his intro story. Oh, Like, there were two issues left. Uh, They wrote the second-to-last issue based off his notes, and then in a very weird but kind of interesting choice, they hired five comic writers, including Mark Wade, Mark Evanier, and Gail Simone, so all good comic writers. Oh, and Adam Beechin, who wrote some of that Zatanna series we read last time. Interesting who all wrote their own final issue for the series, for how they would have ended it. And they've released, like, all five of them? Yep. That is... Wild. I've Mm. never managed to find it. I've always kind of wanted to. Uh, If you do, I would love to read it, uh, because it just reminds me of the way they end Clue. With Uh, like... The reason I... Part of the reason I've never tried too hard is the artist is super problematic, and I'm not going to go into it, because it is real dark. Okay. But... Uh, very mixed feelings on that one. Kent V. Nelson was a college professor who had the perfect life. He was a psychologist. He was a college professor. He had a wife and loving daughter, and he decides to mess it all up by sleeping with one of his students. Uh, His wife separates from him, but doesn't immediately divorce, but he falls into a deep depression, doesn't really pay a whole lot of attention to his... Uh, patients, and one of his patients has a psychotic break and goes on a killing spree. This absolutely destroys his career because he really should have, like, caught this. It was not subtle. His wife divorces him. He gets addicted to gambling. He lives in Las Vegas. Things go really bad to the point that he is homeless and just looking for something to uh, keep the rain off of his head while he sleeps in an alley, he finds the helmet of fate, which has landed, thanks to fate, in a trash can. He puts it on, and Nabu starts messing with his head. During this time, he will meet a magic bookshop owner and a young woman named Inza. And it is heavily implied, although I don't believe revealed, that the two of them are reincarnations of the original Kenton Inza. I, I like that better than the grand nephew. Mm-hmm. Just like, ah, he's just related to him. 
Same name. It, looks so, it was a popular move for a while of like they're the grandnephew or grandniece of a major character because a lot of them didn't have kids, but they wanted to, you know, continue the familial line. Oh, wow. I never put that together. Like, I understood there's like I, I saw the nephew thing, but I never was like mm-hmm. never put two and two together. It's because they don't have kids. It's their this nephew. Oh. This fate will help out in an event called Rain in Hell, which will come up more in later things. But it's, you know, a battle to see who will rule hell that a lot of the magic heroes get caught up in. And he'll serve with the Justice Society and not do much that interesting. And that's pretty much fate up until the new 52. New 52 is a lot easier. It's very short. It's pretty short. There's only three fates to really have to worry about. One's Kent. One's Kent. Um, So first we'll get the Nabu out of the way. Kind of to reiterate from the first episode because the Lords of Order were very uh, caught up in the way magic works in the the new continuity. So Mm -hmm. I went into that in more detail back in our first bit on this, but... Uh, Nabu was one of the sorcerer kings who helped imprison Hecate. Um, and then when she finally got mad at them and actually gave them magic, they had a split with Mordru, who was the main prison, the main torture interrogator on it. Uh, him and the rest of the Lords of Order set out to uh, order the chaos that was magic in a bunch of different ways and realized that the magic they were using were eating them alive from the inside. So they transferred their essences into a group of uh, magical artifacts with uh, Nabu going into the Helm of Fate. Out of curiosity, what does Mordru go into? Or does he go into a... Mordru doesn't go into anything because they had a big falling out and he... He does put some of his energy into the Ruby of Life, but that's more just... Oh, they connect him to Sargon. Yes. Oh, interesting. Cool. Uh, But that's more just because he wanted to. I don't know the specifics on that, but... It seemed like a good thing for them to do, narratively. But he's off just like... More than crucial for him to do. The Lords of Order are the ones who first... Um, started most of the different magical traditions that follow through the current DC universe uh, because they wanted to set order to magic, which was the you know raw light of hope and possibility. So everything from like uh, Zatanna speaking backwards, like a lot of the traditions at the Homo Magi and stuff all kind of originated with the way they first set things into order thousands and thousands of years ago. Uh, although, also to note, the Homo Magi, I believe, in the New Continuity are descended from the humans that learned magic from within the Rock of Eternity. So slightly different than the... They're just magic guys. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I think that's how it goes. I might be slightly wrong on that, but... Um, so, yeah, then nothing happens for a long time that they've explained yet, because this hasn't been around all that long. Uh, so Less than a decade old. Mm-hmm. So we pick up with uh, Kent. Uh, Nabu, at this point, uh, <laughs> is appearing as a statue in a tomb in Egypt. 
and is using his considerable power to reach out to, uh, what was the name of Kent's father? Sven. Sven. Sven uh, Nelson. And uh, kind of talk to him in his dreams and slowly drive him crazy and convince him that, I think he's already an archaeologist, but like, you really need to come check out this particular tomb and like, bring your kid, like Johnny Quest style. Oh, and bring your kid. <laughs> it's fun no for the reason. whole family. It's fine. And he's like, your cool. kid's going to want to see this statue. <laughs> you got to take your kid to see the statue. They show up as they're taking a look at the statue. They kind of both touch it simultaneously. And like a light shines out the eyes and something goes off and just sprays poison gas straight into Sven's face. And he goes down for the count Little Kent's like, oh, no, what's going on? And the statue starts talking to him. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, I'm a wizard. This and, is fine. And, like, this is my tomb. And you guys accidentally set off the trap. You accidentally set off the trap and killed your father. Oh, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> to Kent's credit, he immediately comes back. He goes, no, you killed him. And Nabu statue basically hardly acknowledges that he even spoke back to him and goes, eh, no matter, I'm going to give you power now. And sort of like scans him with the magic eyes and completely, how to explain this, rebuilds Kent in Nabu's own image. You have my body now. Complete with all of his own knowledge on magic. Okay, so... Nabu sucks. I gotta escalate. Um, <laughs> I gotta escalate Nabu from a jerk to a super mega jerk. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Whoa, my like that whole time. Uh, there's probably more to this, but I, I my, I'm just a gog. Um, what? Yeah, he he completely so like grown up Kent Nelson in the current continuity looks like Nabu because oh. he was completely rebuilt in Nabu's image. Molecule by molecule. So he is basically Nabu then. Kind of. Except he has. He, he doesn't have all of. He doesn't have all of. Na he has all of Kent Nelson's consciousness. He has all of Nabu's magical knowledge, but doesn't have all of Nabu's memories. Nabu's basically building a new body for himself, and Kent just happens to be in it still. Oh God, yeah. Nabu, you're the worst. <laughs> and when I say in his image, that's also aging him up from like the eight-year-old that went into that tomb into like early twenties at first. Yeah. But... So wait, this is the consciousness of an eight-year-old, or does he age the consciousness too? Much somehow? like the Eric Strauss version, I'm going to go with he ages him up. Mentally as well. I need that to be the case, so that's going to be my head canon. Because if it's not, I, I can't. I have never that. seen a version of Doctor Fate where he's a kid in a man's body. So let's say yes. I especially just given the circumstances of here. Let me bring you and your dad here, so I can kill your dad. Tell you you killed your dad, and then I'm going to make you into me. But you're still an eight year old. That's some Lex Luthor stuff right there. Wait, then Nabu statue goes. Use those powers I just gave you and slay me. And he goes, okay, and just rips him in half with his magic powers, revealing the helmet of fate, which he then puts on. And all we know is that he was an early Doctor Fate because of the new continuity. The JSA didn't happen in quite the same way. So at some point in between, he didn't really have anybody to hand it off to. 
and Nabu sucks Kent Nelson back inside the helmet. And that's kind of where the continuity actually started. Like, that was all just backstory that they gave later. That's all just backstory? That you, was actually all handled in... That was all handled anything. in about two pages. You could have come up with something worse, less <laughs> worse than that. <laughs> what? That that literally was all handled in like two or three pages. Oh my gosh. Like I said, that was all backstory that was given very recently, but happened chronologically before the rest of this stuff. When we jumped in, there's two new Doctor Fates. They're both named Khalid. We're going to start with the one from Earth 2. Because he appeared first. Yes. Uh, okay. the, the comic that he's in came out a few years before the next one, so. Okay. Khalid ben Hassan uh, gets hired alongside Kendra Muno Sanders uh, to find Nabu's tomb. When they get there, it's unclear why, the, and they find the Helm of Fate, it's unclear why they both get affected in vastly different ways. She's transformed into Hot Girl. But she, yeah, she's transformed into Hot Girl. He becomes the new Doctor Fate. He's not quite as powerful. Neither of the Khalids are quite as powerful as old school Doctor Fate. They are more powerful, though, than just, like, flyy, punchy version. His big thing is if he's separated from the Helm of Fate, he kind of goes a bit crazy. Um, There's a point a little bit uh, later on in the series where Superman goes evil. This is actually the book that we're going to... Parts of it is the book that we're going to be reading for next episode. So we will encounter Khalid there. But... Nothing good happens to him. Right, because, like, they have to try to defeat Superman, and Khalid's like, well, maybe magic can do it, but Superman overhears their plan and knows who to focus on, and, like, curb stomps him into the ground and beats him up to the point where he cracks the helmet, and then Khalid spends, like, the better portion of the next year just, like, gibbering and driving the others mad with how much, like, he won't shut up even though he just got, like broken by this fight and is in need of like serious like medical care for a few issues and stuff. Earth 2 actually has this the series at one point has the world of Earth 2 destroyed and they all have to escape to a different earth in the multiverse. Like nothing good happens. Um it all sounds bad. And then he sort of good story though. I think he sort of and uh I don't know what happens quite at the end of that run, but the last thing I really can think of is, like, he's the one that reveals what Superman's all been up to to Valzod, so that Valzod can be like, all right, I'm going to go be the new Superman. Mm -hmm. Um, For the most part, he kind of... That series sputters out. And then they tried to do a new series, like, follow-up afterwards, and it didn't go anywhere, which is too bad, because it was pretty good at first. Uh, then we also have uh, Khalid Nassour. Khalid Nassour was created because they were like, hey, you know how like every time people have done this character, it's very strongly tied to Egypt? Let's make Dr. Fate an Egyptian-American. Much in the same way of the other Khalid, which I really like, let's actually let him be Egyptian and not just white man stole stuff again. I, I'm now, I this gave me the idea in a, of, a, of a comic series that I'm in for of uh, white man stole something, and now he's cursed because of it. Hmm. Well, I mean, Kent Nelson's entire life story we just gave you. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that may be why it's on my brain. 
he was looking for a gift for his girlfriend, and he's in a museum, and a statue of Bastet holds out his her hand to him. Doesn't it turn out that Bastet was just his cat at home also the entire time? Yeah, his cat was possessed by Bastet, I think. Yeah. Um, this story, I've read it. It's wild. It's pretty good. Uh, the artist is just fantastic in it. Most of it, though, is Khalid gets sucked into dealing with the Egyptian gods and bad things happen to him. And it's another one of those ones where, at least in the beginning, it's a lot more like, you have to keep the balance and not like actually use things for your benefit. So when he cures his grandpa's blindness, uncle's I blindness? Yeah, I think it's grandpa, but I'm not sure. Like Anubis makes him go blind and he can only see when he has on the helmet of fate. Bummer. I mean, though, I, I'd probably trade, I'd trade my blindness if I could with someone. I would have a long talk with that person before I made that choice. I think I, if someone like I loved that was blind, I'd, I, I could see this going on. This makes sense. During all this, he also finds out that Kent Nelson was his great uncle. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> great uncles are a thing here. Um, they Doctor Fate together for a little bit, and then that series ended, and nobody knows knew what happened to him for a long time. Until the Justice League Dark started. Turns out when Kent Nelson had shown back up and was Dr. Fading beside him, it wasn't Kent Nelson at all. It was Nabu just using his magic to look like Kent Nelson. Which is not hard when they're physically identical. Right. And Kent was still just stuck in the helmet. And Khalid followed him when he was making his big bad plans with the Lords of Order and accidentally heard what they were going what they were going to do destroy all magic <laughs> when they go to destroy him kent gets a little bit of control doesn't let nabu do that but he gets um he gets turned into a vase yeah he gets turned into a vase and just thrown into the tower of fate out of curiosity can can you give me just like a uh, like describe the vase for me as best you could like what what kind of vase is it a big vase a little vase um hmm. Kind of medium size. I mean, like if the table. Yeah, like, but I don't know. Table size. I want to say maybe up to. It's kind of kind of a thinner one. If kind of goldenish. I have not read Justice League Dark and long enough to answer this question in any way, shape, or form. Flower vase, too big. A little bit more of like a flower vase. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. I was just curious. Man Bat's the one that rescues. Yeah, him. Man Bat figures out how to unvase him. In. <laughs> I love comic books. Man, that figured out how to unvase him is a beautiful sentence. And he's like, guys, this is what they're up to before he like, he gets vased again for a little bit and then comes back again later. Maybe that's where we should end if we're going to do a Justice League Dark episode. I was going to say like that almost takes us up to just like about a year, year and a half ago anyway. I, I've read some of the in-between it like just recently ended, so some of the stuff will be made a tiny bit clearer in that point, uh, and some maybe even further retconned by the very end of it. But at the end of their battle against the Lords of Order, it's being posed a question to Kent and Khalid, like, because now like Kent is back, they've re-imprisoned Nabu, and they're like, somebody still has to be Doctor Fate. It's too big of a symbol, belief affects magic too much. There has to be a Dr. Fate at this point because he's been too powerful and around for too long. It should be Khalid. And they're like, oh, who's going to take it? Neither of them want to do it. 
I know Actually, by, they should merge. And yeah, I know by the end, at least Kent has put it back on at some point, but I don't know who is the permanent Doctor Fate from that point on. So, I really like the idea of merging and doing two, mostly because then it really it mucks over... Uh, Nabu's uh, plans. Nabu, exactly. That's and I do also know that Doctor Fate is involved with restarting the parliaments. Oh, exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will be discussing JSA Volume 1, Justice Be Done. So, Stephen, earlier in the week, you actually asked me why I picked this story, because Doctor Fate while being the point of it is not in like a solid two thirds of this story. It's about right. <laughs> like it, it, yeah. Other than, um, I forgot his name already, but the, uh, but the fate who dies, Jared Stevens, Jared Stevens. Um, and then how, uh, H- Hector, how, uh, coming back. It's like, it is very, very Dr. Fate light. There's like six reasons I chose this one, though. Beyond just the fact that this is the start of one of the all-time great comic book team runs, it really is. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, it was great. Um, I wanted to read more of it. Uh, several important things. One, it shows the importance, to me at least, of, of Dr. Fate to the wider world. Like, the chance of Dr. Fate coming back and all of the magic world is affected by it. Mordru comes back. The JSA is reformed because of it. We get to meet three different versions of Dr. Fate, even if we don't get much time with any of them, because we get little bits of Kent, we get little bits of Jared, and we get Hector coming back. And then four, this book, in a lot of ways, is directly responsible for everything DC is doing on its movie and TV side right now. David S. Goyer is one of the writers on this. Among other things, David S. Goyer has written the Blade trilogy... Wow. Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, both of the Ghost Rider movies, those ones are awful, we all know it. Uh, that first one's so fun, though. Man of Steel and uh, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. I need clarification just because I, uh, I was lamenting over uh, loving, uh, well, not loving, but enjoying the first Ghost Rider with Tyler. But uh, did you say Steel or Man of Steel? Man of Steel. Okay. Because if you just threw Steel in there, I'd be very confused. <laughs> Shaq movie? No, we're not yes. going that far back. Um, also, Stargirl, who really, she had appeared before this, but this is the book where she kind of came into her own, now has her own series. Star Spangled Kid in this. Mm-hmm. Um our man has appeared in legends versions of Starman has appeared in legends. Jay Garrick, the, this flash is a regular appearance on the flash. Uh, Adam smasher appeared on the flash. Black Canary was an arrow. Almost all of these characters. Oh, uh, hot girl wasn't a huge part of this. I think the only one I haven't seen in recent media is Sandy. Sandy, yeah. the golden boy or sand and, um, Alan Scott, green lantern. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That's about it. And oh, Sans' uh, mask is in Rip Hunter's office. Oh, and then this version of Our Man. I haven't seen this version of Our no. Man. No, no. Uh, and which I like. Have we this seen Wildcat anywhere? More. I think they might touch on him at one point in uh, Star Girl, probably in Arrow. I was about to say Arrow. Oh, I think okay. they touch on Wildcat. That's yeah, cool. um, isn't the, he the guy who trains uh, um, Laurel to be the Black Canary? I, I wouldn't be surprised to get you're traditionally. Right. I might have a name wrong there. Ted but Grant. I, yes. yes. Yep. I, I think so. Yeah. I love him. He taught Batman how to box. Um, he. Yeah, he's great. 
I, I think he's a lot of fun because he's one of the most down to earth. Uh, we'll talk about fate and stuff, but since I, as I said, I really love this team. You were asking about the the hour man. Uh, this version of the hour man, or at least the the, I, I guess he's he's from he's a version he's a robotic version of uh, Rex Rex Tyler. Rex Tyler. Um, he was created by Grant Morrison. Which oh, if you I know, could have guessed that <laughs> if you know who Grant Morrison is, if you've read stuff and you will at some point, if you haven't, read, I, I've read a little. Uh, He's it, a sentient colony of machines. Of course, he was from the year one million. Yeah, of course, he was Grant Morrison. He was first introduced in Grant Morrison's Justice League run. He later appears in the DC one million crossover and he is pulled pulled from the year one million to be a substitute member of the current Justice League when Martian Manhunter steps away. So he's from the year one million, and he has the he has like the memories or the brain scans of Rex Tyler from I don't know exactly, but I'm gonna say pre nineteen fifties. How did that happen? I'm like, not hundred percent sure. They Grant just said they had Morrison. it. <laughs> okay, he was also raised by Metron, who has the Mobius chair, which lets him travel through everything. Mm. So, oh, that'll possibly that. Yeah, that, yeah. That, uh, and Grant Morrison does a lot of drugs. Oh boy! You know, I never actually put that together, but that seemed that tracks. I would believe this, but also if he didn't, he could also just be a really interesting weird guy. Our man has a brief solo series where he's pretty much just wandering the world, trying to figure out what it means to be human. Very uh, the early the Vision stories from Marvel side. He joins the JSA, and then for whatever reason, they decide that he's not a good character to use and they write him out of the story. They're wrong. And they bring in the son of the original hour man, uh, uh, something Tyler. I don't remember his first name. Uh, I think it also starts with an R, but Rick Randy, I think, I think it's, it's Rick. Rick. Uh -huh. Now in his defense, I actually really enjoy the Rick Tyler, hour man character, but he's not this hour man who I really love. The power hour where he can, like, perceive all flow of time for an hour. Yeah, instead of drugs, he just has magic time powers. Way better. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the real reason what, they what wrote him out was he's incredibly overpowered. And oh, it's got to be hard easily, to write him. Easily. Although, like, because, like, he, the, the, his handicap is that he can only do it for an hour. But also, like, that is a lot of stuff in an hour. I can take three naps in an hour. He eventually sacrifices his life by going back to the zero hour, swapping out with Rex Tyler, disguising himself so he looks like Rex Tyler. So the timeline isn't corrupted by an accident still kills a Rex Tyler, but it's just this hour, man. Well, Rex is just put in the modern day and is alive again. Rex got his dad back, I guess. Mm. This is my favorite hour man. The more you oh, tell me about him. Far and away. Honestly, <laughs> Rick and Rex, original Rex don't deserve the mantle. If you ask me, not really. Uh, this also has several other fun characters. Jack Knight, the uh, star man, mm -hmm. who I know is one of your favorites. One of my all-time top five comic book runs is Jack Knight as Starman. James Robinson, who was one of the co-writers on this, was just wrapping up that run and brought Jack in 
as far as I can tell, just out of the kindness of a soul. Just, sure. Uh, Jack is written out in, I believe, the second arc because he retires the character of Jack when he retires writing Starman. But just having him there was a really fun legacy, and he will pass on his cosmic rod, the thing... I know. I'm sorry, I... As soon as I started that (laughs) sentence, I had to stop myself. He will pass on the cosmic rod... (laughs) To the Star-Spangled Kid, Courtney Whitmore, who will later adopt the name Stargirl and continue the legacy of both Star-Spangled Kid and Starman. Which, she has that staff thing uh, in the series that's yeah. going on now. It becomes her kind of iconic thing. look thing. Yeah. Uh, this is also the first appearance of the of this hot girl. I can't think of her first name. I literally was just looking at it. Is it Kendra? Kendra, thank you. I I remembered it because it's the same name they use for the character that starts in Flash and then ends up on Legends. Who, I was going to say, is the same version of that hot girl, except she's likable in this, and she's absolutely the worst in Legends. I'm sorry, I hate the Hawks in the Legends. Yeah. (laughs) Fist bump. Um, Yeah. I love the legend so much, it makes me hurt to say that I don't like parts of it. But oh, the first season's not very good. I will still go to bat for it. I like it. Uh, this the all, Hawks are the worst part of it. Yes. <laughs> this also brings in Black Canary, who is probably one of my... Probably my favorite female superheroine in DC. The more I see her, the more I absolutely adore every iteration I've seen of her. And She's that is just like not well treated in Arrow, and it's not the actress's fault. No, because the actress is fine, but just DC doesn't seem to accept that we're all going to be really into the idea of a woman that rides a motorcycle, wears a leather jacket, kicks the crap out of people, and has a sonic scream. We don't need more than that. No, <laughs> I mean I would like it if she has the option to wear pants. Sure. But that's her decision in my book. <laughs> uh, Birds of Prey, that Black Canary was pretty she fun. killed it. Yeah. Yeah, she was great. And you know what? They didn't get caught up in needing to give her, like, new character depth and path. I mean, they gave her pathos of, like, my mother died. But no, we don't have to make her a lawyer. We don't have to uh, come up with complicated backstory with Oliver Queen. She's just awesome. Also, I White Canary's com- best canary. Sorry. Comic book Black Canary, followed by White Canary, <laughs> followed by everything they put that poor actress through. Katie Lotz. No, not Katie Lotz. The other one. Uh, Katie McNamara? Sure. I'm going to have to take your word for it. Well, I'm going to look that up, but I'm you guys keep names. going. Also, weird story on this one. This is not Wonder Woman. This is Wonder Woman's mother, Hippolyta. Right. In a very confusing thing, because... Wonder Woman was a founding member of the JSA, and they really wanted to keep that honor for her, even though she was the secretary in the original, and we just don't talk about that. I know, it's so sexist. So terrible. Mm-hmm. It's so That's so bad. Oh my goodness. Um, but <laughs> why, why would you want to keep that there? Or not retcon it to make her more... They, they retcon it. Okay, they could do away with that part. She's just a founding member. Okay, so now she's but, just a founding member. And she, or a major member. Maybe she... Uh, Katie I, Cassidy. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, also, I do know humans 
who do like to do secretary There's work. nothing wrong with being a secretary. There so, is a problem with the only female member of your group being a secretary. There it is. Nail on the head. <laughs> uh, so maybe maybe she does like doing secretary work. We can keep that if she likes doing it. But So in a complicated storyline that briefly happened in the 90s, Wonder Woman becomes a goddess and Hippolyta comes and becomes the new Wonder Woman. During this time, she is also thrown back in the past and serves time on the JSA. And then comes back. But they all remember her being a member of the JSA. So she, uh, to explain why there's a Wonder Woman of that era. They don't talk about it too much because it's headache inducing. But they wanted to explain it that way. During that time, she has a love affair. Not really affair. It it was mutual. No one else was hurt. With Ted Grant, the Wildcat. So wait, just to clarify, oh. was there at any point where Wonder Woman, not Hippolyta, was in the JSA, or was it always supposed to be Hippolyta? When JSA was, and I understand first, that it may not go over details of like exactly when JSA was first formed. It wasn't well. I mean, there wasn't even a separate universe. It was the Justice League didn't exist yet. So Wonder Woman was their secretary, and Batman and Superman were reserve members. Weird. Remember, this was the League before the League existed. When they recreated a bunch of characters in the 50s and 60s, they decided to recreate the JSA, but because uh, the guy writing it was a fan of sports and wanted to kind of punch it up a little bit, Mm -hmm. instead of society, it became a League based off baseball. Oh. So they became the Justice League of America. Uh, This later was turned into Earth 1, Earth 2. When they re booted everything the JSA was the World War II era team they just ignored the Batman Superman aspect of it but they wanted to honor the fact that Wonder Woman was the first woman to join the JSA so they came up with weird Wonder Woman's mom time travel story where again because I feel like this was understated she hooks up with the boxer who dresses (laughs) like a cat I mean that all tracks who also gets nine lives and we don't get explained until later. It's retroactively done that Wildcat was at one point gifted with nine lives when he's murdered and then gets back up and everyone's like, Ted, what the hell? (laughs) How was he gifted these? Never explained as far as I'm aware. Okay. Uh, He just says it's a long story. No, because at one point he admits that he's lost count. And so he tries really hard not to die. I mean, that's what I would do if I had a limited number of lives. I would also try not remember how many I had left. I was going to say, it's either it's unlimited or he's a boxer and it's still under nine and that's just the CTE. Yeah, he has been punched by a lot of things, including several gods. And at one point, the Justice Society is thrown into an alternate dimension so they can prevent Ragnarok. I'm over here just thinking about health bars, and if you hit, like, uh, 90 plus years old, and if your health bar just kept depleting at a rate that it couldn't re- revitalize, and you ran through all nine lives. Sorry, I just, my brain got on a tangent. It's okay. Unrelated, uh, but semi-related. I think the biggest takeaway from all this Dr. Fate stuff is that Naboo's the worst. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Sorry, all this stuff I'm realizing, despite the fact of me being like, this is an important Dr. Fate story. All the stuff I have to say about reading this is about pretty much every other character. I mean, it's cool to see uh, Hector Hall get to come back. I that, really enjoyed that. That was cool. Also, um, I very much enjoyed uh, Ray, Ray Stevens. 
who plays uh, 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 Jared Stevens? Jared Stevens. Um, uh, him dying was maybe the best part of this <laughs> it was book. Really funny. <laughs> they just they had him show up long enough to die because someone stabbed him in the back with his own dagger that he made out of the helmet out of fate. <sighs> I don't know, man. Jared Stevens was a lot of really bold choices, and none of them panned out. And none of them. I don't need bold choices to pan out. I enjoy a bold choice for a bold choice. Uh, last one I'm going to have on this is just Sand, because I think Sand is one of the most underrated characters of the late 90s, or early 2000s. The uniform that he gets is super slick. I'm a sucker for a dude with a gas mask and gas guns. And uh, he can travel through the earth. Which... We talked about this character in a previous episode. I can't remember if we talked about it afterwards because I was telling you about this episode. I, I, I can't remember if we were talking about it. We, talked, we talked about, about it on Word Balloons. Word Balloons. Oh, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, and so I was asking about how it was illustrated, how he, how he moved through the earth. And reading this and getting a better idea of how it's done, it is ah, just chef kiss kind of just like my absolute bag of like metaphysics and like mm-hmm. this is not my favorite concepts. artist in the world but the dude's a professional like yeah. and they clearly knew what they were doing that would be either mark Propst or michael bear they both did work on this book but i don't know which one did which issues do we, god that i feel like we went through that part really fast but do we have anything to say about i like fate i don't like nabu yeah 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 nabu I always kind of liked Nabu, and I always wanted to be like, no, he's not that bad. But reading Dr. Fate's history made me be like, oh, okay, so he's worse than that bad. In the moment, he's not nearly as bad as he feels, but he's, in the grand scheme of things, horribly terrible and should not be trusted at all. Literally anything. Yeah, I mean... I was just going to throw in my personal little bit of, like, I never really cared for Fate much, personally, for a long time, and I kind of like how the new new universe, because I care about magic, makes me have to care about what's going on with Fate. Um, I'm really excited. I never got that far into <coughs> Justice League Dark, but I'm really mm-hmm. excited to read more of that. I've always thought Fate was a strong character. If nothing else, if the character's strong visually, you can usually find ways to make them fun. But, uh... I hope at some point future writers use some of the other Lords of Order that they bring up in Justice League Dark, because they're kind of Yeah, like, I want to see these different items that they put themselves into. Yeah, because it's it's like a chess plate and, like, greaves, and and Uh, then they all, like, get their own forms, and there's, like, Sister Symmetry, who's made out of, like, the greaves, I think, and, like... That's gotta be kind of embarrassing. I'm stuck forever in somebody's shin guards... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no yeah yeah it's not the most uh i mean i'm i don't imagine being stuck in a piece of armor for air uh, for, is glamorous for anybody but like the shin guards is... hot piece would be probably worse yeah. yeah is there like a butt armor plate there is but i don't remember what it's called okay because i don't know i don't yeah but that one those would be my top two probably <laughs> word balloons what's the worst piece of armor to be magically stuck in for all of any of the enchanted undergarments between the armor and the person just chastity belt. getting all the sweated up chastity belt's the winner yeah all right asked and answered uh <laughs> the chastity belt of fate <laughs> next <laughs> oh boy and on that 
wonderful note to end on. Next week, we not next week, next time, we will be covering Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern. Uh, we will be reading, admittedly, an alternate universe version of Alan Scott, but there's like six versions of him, so that's fine, with Earth 2 issues 1 through 12. The collected editions also include the Zero issue. It is super unimportant for anything we're talking about, but... It's not a bad issue, so read it if you want. Uh, it will also be written by James Robinson with art by Nicola Scott, who is just so good at their job. They're so good at it. That's all the time we have set aside for our lesson today. For those of you staying on the island, the weekly game of Backgammon starts soon. For everyone else, we hope your cruise back to the wild world of nerdery is swift and safe and super fun. Bon voyage. Thank you for listening to this episode of New Island. If you like the show, please hit subscribe. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, that would also be super helpful. As always, we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network and would greatly appreciate it if you could go check out all of our sister shows over at earworm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. A big special thanks to Ian Ford for our theme song and music. We'll catch you next time.